All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Durr. Today, I'm joined by Rendell Eric from Iowa. He is a school teacher out there in the land of the giants, and he has been on a tear that's hard not to notice. So I figured it would be a good time to sit down with Rendell and learn a little bit about what gear he's using. He's a no bullshit kind of guy. So I figured he would set me straight, tell me what he feels are necessities, what he's using, and a little bit of what he doesn't take with him. I think that's a key point here in this conversation. Rendell's a minimalist. Uh, He's a lot like myself, but he's even more minimal than I am. So today we break down his saddle equipment that he's using to kill these public land giants. He talks a little bit about how he uses them, a lot of the mistakes he sees people making while using saddles, and he also gives some really great tips to stay comfortable in a saddle and to minimize your movement in a saddle. So make sure you pay attention to that stuff. It's really good information. Another key point in this conversation is how Rendell is getting himself in some unorthodox hunting situations where he is only nine feet off the ground or he's hunting two feet off the ground in a saddle, but he wants to be elevated in a certain situation. I think it's important to note that in a lot of the areas that he's hunting, he's not really able to get a bunch higher because of the scrub trees that he's hunting in, but he makes some good points about why it's okay to stay low. And in his case, he has to stay low. So I learned a lot about the versatility of a saddle in this conversation. So I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Rendell, for sitting down with me. Before we get into this podcast, the Exodus MMT tailor-built hunting arrows are live. They're on the website and they are for sale. We are shipping. So if you select the five-day build, you're going to get those arrows out the door here in five days. So you'll have them in plenty of time to get used to them, shoot them, love them. If you don't know what that is, uh, Exodus just released a line of hunting arrows, the Exodus MMT for maintained momentum and a better trajectory. Head over to the 3D Builder on the website and build you a set of the Exodus MMT arrows. See what they're going to come out for you. Or Hey, order a half dozen, see how they shoot. If you like that half dozen, we'll build you another half dozen that is to the exact weight or within Uh, two grains of that exact weight that you ordered before so you don't have to change anything around you can shoot shoot all summer with that first half dozen hunt with the second half dozen however you want to do it just make sure you don't miss out on this first edition run they aren't going to last long if you're on the fence i have an opportunity for you to win a half dozen or a full dozen of these arrows all you have to do is leave me a written review wherever you listen to this podcast whether it be on itunes Spotify now allows you to give a five-star review. These reviews will help me a lot. So in return, we are giving away five full dozen of these arrows. You can do this on my podcast, the land podcast, the Exodus podcast, or if you want to go to our YouTube channel, leave us a comment in one of the videos and tell us you love what you're doing and you'll be entered to win a full dozen of the Exodus MMT arrows tailor built specifically for you. I know Rendell just got a few shipped out the door to him. Hope he likes them. But for now, let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Rendell Eric from Iowa. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, I am joined by Rendell Eric Rodrick. I get that right. Yeah, exactly. Man, we've been talking 
for a little bit on and off since the Iowa Deer Classic. We met at the Iowa Deer Classic. You were there with Tethered, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So we've been talking on and off then. You're the man out there in Iowa, and uh, you're also a saddle guy. And I, I, I look forward to learning how you're hunting out of saddle because I think you're doing it a little bit different than most guys would say is going to be effective. If that, that set, you sent me that picture of yesterday that you killed a 175 inch deer out of a lot of people would look at that and laugh. And I've even showed people and they're like, there's no way. And then you show them the video and you're like, well, here it is. Um, so I'm pretty interested in diving down into how that's worked out for you, how you started and uh, where you are now. You, you up for that? Yeah, man. Sounds great. Cool. So let's give everyone a little background first. Um, tell everyone that may not be familiar with you, who you are, what you do, and uh, why we have you here as a guest. Uh, my name is Rendell Eric. I'm originally from the South. I moved to Iowa just to deer hunt. I pretty much started my whole life over when I moved here and uh, went to college up here, got a degree. And now I'm a school teacher, actually, so it gives me a lot of flexibility to scout and hunt. I can hunt like three days a week, and uh, I have a, I'm a lifelong learner. That comes with the teaching thing, and I'm really good at, I'm getting in that phase where I'm teaching other guys, kind of like my system and how to get on big bucks and how they work. Uh, my brain's like really analytical, so I really dive into like the little small, minute details that a lot of people overlook. And I just, I watched, uh, you know, everybody watches the hunting shows when you grow up and everybody's killing giants on private land. And I was all, I'm just a poor guy. You know, I can't afford that. So I was like, how can I get to that level? So you do a lot of research and you get off the TV and you start digging in the underground, as I call it. And you find guys like Dan Infall and, you know, the Tequistos that hunt a lot of betting style stuff because I wanted to get off the field edges because that just seemed like that's what everybody's doing. So I really dug down that rabbit hole as much as I could. I watched everything I could find. I read every book I could find talking to guys that kind of do that style. And then I went out and actually applied it. Like I wanted to see if it holded weight. So every theory I went out and actually studied it in the field, which took a long time, but over time, I just noticed how things lined up, and then I started integrating uh, systems from everybody that was kind of a killer that was getting it done, and I took uh, bits and pieces of everybody's system and kind of meshed it into my own, and then I picked up things that I noticed that some other guys don't do, and then now I've just been finding giant deer and just been starting to kill them really consistent basis lately. Yeah, I mean, your track record speaks for itself. How old are you? I'm 38 years old. Okay, so still in your 30s, and yeah, the, the track record speaks for itself. What kind of like drove you to figure out like, okay, I need to be a little bit more mobile? Were you? I'm sure you weren't hunting as mobile before you found Dan and Cody and them. Yeah, I mean, I kind of was just bouncing around on like free permission and public stuff, but I was carrying like, like river edge, like 40 pound tree stand and like 20 pounds worth of sticks in one arm. I got it in my bow and the other, like just insane amount of weight and you'd be dead before you even got to the tree, man. But I noticed like when you hunted the same sets over and over, 
I see less and less deer every time I hunted it. And I just kind of picked up on that. Then when I heard other guys talk about it, you know, that light bulb just kind of goes off in your head and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I want to get away from that. So now I want to get more mobile. So I just started lightening up uh, my setup every year after that and just started diving into that whole mobile thing. I was doing it probably before it even got super popular, honestly. I think that's how a lot of the guys that have been consistent for a lot longer, that's like their same story. They've been doing it before it got cool. And you can see people adapt that. And right off the bat, you'll have like your encounter rate will go up, but maybe your success success rate doesn't start to get as consistent until you learn how to properly use the gear that makes you a little bit lighter. So today I want to talk to you about how you're using your gear. We talked a little bit through text and, um, I want to set the record straight for this is a gear podcast, but I do not believe it's the gear that is leading to the success. It's a tool, like you've said before, and it's just all about how you use it. You can take the best tree stand in the market, the best saddle in the market, the best bow in the market, and if you don't use it right, you can still screw it up. So today I want to talk about how you're using everything. I think uh, this is going to help because you have a analytical mind you're a teacher so hopefully you'll be able to teach as much as possible we, we only have audio here but um, I'm sure you can get the point across what's your affiliation with tethered you do a lot of their trade shows and I've seen you on some of their teaching trains what's your affiliation there um, I'm on their pro team and I do I work shows for them and uh, teaching trains and stuff like that so you have a lot of um, you have a lot of uh, experience teaching people how to use saddles. Yeah, I have been. I got guys that'll stop me in the public land parking lot and have me do a saddle demo. <laughs> like, listen, <laughs> man, I don't have time for this. Yeah, it happened to me in Missouri. I was pulling out, and the guy seen me, and he recognized me, and he flagged me down in the campground in Missouri, and I, he asked me if, to do a saddle demo for him. So I took the time to do it, though, before I went out and hunted in the afternoon. That's really cool of you. So let's start this off with what you're actually using, and then we'll talk about how you're using it and what you think the most effective way is. So what's your current gear setup right now? I'm running a tethered Phantom, and then I'm running a tethered Predator platform, and I'm running a Skeletors, and I have the one sticks too. I just flip back and forth between them. I've been messing around with both, and I'm kind of like working on a hybrid system I've been messing with this summer to be more efficient when I go in on public. What do you mean by hybrid? Like with a tree stand as well? No, it's uh, the saddle, the platform, but I'm only carrying in two sticks with uh, a removable three-step aider. Mm-hmm. But that Dynatab button on the tethered sticks gives you the ability to one stick. So I have a repelling setup with me. So if I need to get higher in the tree, I can one stick up with that second stick and then I can repel down. to the To the other stick there. Yeah, I'll just pull it. I mean, I'll set the first stick when I'm on the ground. Yeah. I can reach like nine foot up on my first oh, yeah. stick. You're a giant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then my, I'll just repel off of the second stick because I'm using that three uh, step removable aider and it's kind of iffy coming down in the dark. A lot of guys don't like it. And I'm pretty big, so I'm not like, it's like putting a gorilla in a tree, you know, it's not that easy <laughs> to climb. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you being the most nimble guy out there. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> That's another uh, kind of misconception. A lot of people think that big guys can't saddle hunt. Not that you're a heavy guy, but you're, what, 6'7"? I'm 6'8". 
six foot eight. Like that's a, a monster. I could hang my saddle on you. Yeah, man. I could probably just stand there like a tree and the deer would just keep walking on by me. <laughs> that video clip you sent me, um, I guess we'll, we'll dive into like how you're using it, but that video you sent me of the point of view of the deer that you shot, you looked like a tree limb, like legit looked like a tree limb. Yeah, that's why I'm a leaner. A lot of guys like to sit and they're close to the tree and I think it gives you that blob outline. But for me, I like to lean way out because it just looks like you're the V shape of a branch. And then if you got a good backdrop behind you, like I did in that video I sent you, you just blend right in with the branches behind you. I think the the backdrop cover is more important than whatever's in front of you. So I like to set up with no cover in front of me because it gives you really good shooting opportunities. So I'm more about what's happening behind me than I am whatever's out in front of me or actually on the tree that I'm on. Yeah, that clip was um, kind of eye-opening because you would look at it and be like, I knew what I was looking at. I knew that you were in that tree. But I think if I just showed someone and you weren't moving at all, you would think that that thing jetting outside of the tree was just a limb. And the way that your backdrop covered you up, that's where all the leaves were. So you had like leaves coming out of the back of your head. It was a really impressive setup. And that setup was what, nine feet off the ground? Yeah, that's correct. Nine foot. Nine feet off the ground with what, two sticks, one stick. It was like one and a half. <laughs> I just put the extra stick on there to make it easier to get into the platform. So like very, um, I guess it's not something that it's unheard of. There are people doing that, but it's not the norm. Most guys are trying to get 30 feet up in the air and everyone, those guys are like, well, you can't, you can't kill a, a big deer that uh, close to the ground. You killed a 175 inch deer, nine feet off the ground at five, at like five yards. That's correct. And then the, the year before I shot that tether 10 bucket, only 10 foot off the ground. Yeah. That, I think it's a, uh, I think that's something that's, people are, are starting to shed a light on. And I think it's good because I hunt that way too. And it may not be for the same reason. I, I've i always been one to like, I want I want to hunt in the cover. I want to set up where the cover is. I don't want to be just out wide in the open. And it just so happens to help me out that the cover that time of year is lower in the trees. And I'm not a big fan of heights. I don't like to be 25 feet up in the air. So I've always hunted a little bit lower, but you were talking about hunting super low. Cody DeQuista's hunting super low. Byron Horton killed a buck in Ohio last year. Talked to him. He was 10 feet up, two sticks up. So it's not totally out of the norm, but I think there's still a lot of guys that think they could never get away with that. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a lot of it depends on what you're doing too as a system. Like what type of hunting you're doing. Cause I'm doing the bed hunting. I was within a hundred yards of that buck. If I got 30 foot up a tree, that buck's going to pick me off moving up in the tree. So I want to stay low because if they're in the bed and they got vegetation around them where they can't see out, I don't want to go above that. Like when I'm scouting, I'll lay in the beds and then I look out and I see like where I need to be, where he can't see me. And a lot of times you have to be low or they're going to pick you off when you go up. Yeah, you'll be skyline, and you're up there moving around, and um, that's pretty easy for them to pick out because it's it's out of the norm. I mean, that's their home. Yeah, exactly. So when you when you get up there and you're in that area right where they can't see you, are you still able to, if you use glass, are you still able to see them, or you just know that they're in that bed because of the, the scouting? Uh, sometimes you can see them with the binos. You can see like the top of the antlers. Uh, sometimes I can't see them at all. It just depends on like 
if you're in hill country or you're hunting marsh or whatever, a farmland are covered up by a lot of, uh, you know, weeds and stuff. So it just depends on what terrain you're in, honestly. Sure. I think it also probably helps when you're hunting that scenario and you only have to hang one stick, um, just for the noise factor too, you can be a lot quieter. The time it takes you to hang four sticks, the noise it takes to hang four sticks probably could be the difference between them picking you off or not. Yeah, I don't have to worry about my sticks clanging when I'm climbing up. I'm not taking a super long time to hang a bunch of sticks. I don't even carry but two sticks most of the time. So when I'm unpacking my gear, when I get to the tree, I don't have to navigate a ton of sticks where I'm setting them, putting them up. And it's just a lot faster to get in the tree and set up because sometimes, man, you go so deep you're getting there a little late and then does are coming out in front of you because the deer layer in, you know, so sometimes the deer will catch you if you're taking too long to get set up, honestly. Yeah. I've had that happen to me. I've, I've had deer come in cause I'm hanging my fourth stick and sometimes it's just a curiosity thing. They hear you and they're like, want to go check what, what, what that is. And there you are hanging from the tree, not ready. Um, so I've, I've started only taking three sticks with me. And I keep an aider with me in case I'm like, okay, well, this tree, I'm going to need to get a little bit higher, but I haven't found the need for more than three sticks all last year. I never, I never hung the four stick. Yeah. I only usually ever, the only time I carry four is probably hill country. Cause sometimes if you're below that thermal tunnel, you got to get like 30 foot up or sure. they're going to be eye level with you and you don't want that. So what was the, what was your experience like before you started saddle hunting? What was your what was like, oh, okay, this is the final straw. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a saddle. I just got tired of, tired of carrying the heavy tree stands on my back, <laughs> honestly. Like, just the profile of it on you, clanging through stuff. It's really loud if you hit a branch or something. Because I'm, man, some of the stuff I go through, people wouldn't believe. I'll get on my hands and knees and crawl. I'm climbing ravines. Like, it's... I don't know. It's just kind of awkward on your back. Sometimes it'll throw you off balance. Um, it's kind of a pain to set up. And I never had like super nice, like premium tree sands either. I just ran like XOP, Vanish, stuff like that. Which is still kind of heavy. Yeah, it's still heavy. So your first, uh, first time getting in a saddle, were you like, this is it? This is, this is what I've been wanting this whole time. This is what I need. Or was it kind of a learning curve? Um, I did a lot of research on it before I got it. I mean, like, you know how analytical brains work. I was a little skeptical at first, kind of like Chad's a big skeptic guy. He wants to, you know, really dig in and merit his research. So I did that and just trying it out. And I kind of went back and forth on it. Then I was like, I mean, what do you got to lose? I mean, if I didn't like it, I could just sell it. And then I kept my tree stand set up. I just go right back to that. But I ended up falling in love with the saddle. So, I mean, it worked out for me. What were, what are some of the, the biggest mistakes you see um, people making, whether they're super experienced hunters or just starting out? What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making when saddle hunting specifically? I don't think they give it enough time to learn it thoroughly. And when they go to buy one, they listen to everybody on Facebook. They don't go to a show and try out different types because everybody's body is different. I mean, I'm six, eight. You're not, you know, some people are huge. Some are skinny. I mean, everybody, some people have hitch, hip pinch. Some don't. But I think when you go to the show and you actually talk to somebody that's done it a long time already, man, you can get rid of a lot of those uh, beginner 
kind of flaws they fall into because they can and, uh, a guy can navigate all that stuff for you if you go to a show like teacher teacher through it and then when guys get home they put it on the tree once and they're like, oh this ain't for me i mean you got to give it its due diligence test it out the ground level get used to it make all your moves shoot out of it i mean you're not going to get a new system and then go hunt 200 inch buck the next day i mean you want to do you know what i mean yeah you can't even do that in iowa <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wouldn't want to do that <laughs> um i made a lot of those mistakes myself i bought one or i was actually given chad's old one and i put it on and i was like oh this is like it's all right you know it's not like everyone says this is really comfortable and i thought it was like okay i didn't think it was uncomfortable and then I sat in another saddle and I was like, whoa, this is way more comfortable than that other one. Like that other one wasn't comfortable at all. This is. And now I wear a two panel saddle and it just fits my body type really well. But there's a lot of guys that they hate the two panel saddle. So I would agree with that. There's a lot of people that maybe follow the best marketing or they hear some their favorite hunter on podcast or watch their favorite show and that's what they use. So that's what they gravitate towards. But these uh, trade shows and the road shows and the, the Mobile Hunters Expo coming up have been great, especially because, let's be honest, getting into a saddle setup's not cheap. So the ability to try before you buy is a pretty big advantage. Yeah, and you can always sell off your old tree stands and stuff to pay for or whatever gear you got laying around. And uh, another thing guys need to watch, I would find guys that actually kill deer, man. And listen to what they're telling you, because I would put more merit into guys that are actually getting it done than guys that aren't just because, I mean, they know what they have to have to kill big deer and the situations they're in are a little bit different sometimes. So I'm not saying that like a guy that doesn't kill big bucks doesn't know what he's doing, but I tend to listen to people that are really consistent because I think I can get through all they're not going to BS you as much. You know what I mean? They're going to tell you exactly what you need, what you don't need. And I think that's a huge thing because a lot of guys carry a lot of stuff they don't need in the tree. So I'm a minimalist. I carry, man, guys wouldn't believe the stuff I just don't carry anymore. Like what? I don't carry rattling antlers. I don't like grunting at deer. I don't carry big binos. I don't carry water. I don't carry snacks. So what are you carrying? What are the what are the must-have things for you? The bow, saddle, platform, sticks, and uh, something to pull your bow up with. I use a, one of those automatic reels. I like those a lot because they're easy to manage. Yeah. Um, milkweed, tons of milkweed. I got probably more milkweed on me than most guys dream of having. <laughs> Just because I'm always checking the wind like crazy because I mostly hunt the wind. I don't use scent control at all. I'm the wind guy pretty much. When you say you don't use scent control at all, there's some guys that take that to the extreme and there's some guys that still kind of follow it. Are you like using scent-free deodorant or washing your clothes and scent-free stuff? Or are you just like flat out using scented detergents and deodorants and just hunting the wind? I don't even wash my hunting clothes, man. I haven't washed them in two years. In two years, you just keep the blood and guts on them. Yeah, man. I use the merino wool. I switched to that. A lot of it still smells like sheep, man. That's true. It just doesn't get the polyester stuff. If I wear it a week mobile hunting, I it'll stand up outside and like <laughs> smells like a dumpster. But if you use the merino wool, it doesn't really stink that bad. I might wipe 
my body down with those uh, field wipes every now and again, just so I can stand myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not for the deer. I don't really do anything else. I don't do nothing, man. I just play the wind like crazy thermals. I really took a long time to learn like the wind, how terrain influences the wind, how thermals work in different situations. And that's just what I live and die by. And you made an interesting point earlier about that, about being in hill country and having to get a little bit higher because of the thermals. And um, I talked to Dan Infold a little bit and we hunted with him in Wisconsin in September and I never got a chance to really pick his brain about it, but maybe you've seen something similar where he doesn't like, uh, he's not a big proponent on hunting on the ground, which you'll see him hunt low in a tree, but he doesn't like to hunt on the ground because of the way your scent carries differently than if you are elevated. Have you seen anything uh, related to that? Yeah, that's correct. I don't like hunting on the ground at all. I'll get in the tree no matter what. I'll find something to get in. Um, just the way it moves over to landscapes a lot different, more like floods the area directly where you're at. When you get up in the tree a little bit, it'll kind of carry your scent off away from you. And you can uh, manipulate it a little bit easier than when you're on the ground, I think, because uh, the air current's a little different on the ground than what it is up in the tree, just because there's more vegetation and stuff like that, that can kind of like messes with the wind a lot more and you can get a lot more swirling when you're on the ground too yeah i've noticed that myself i gravitate towards ground hunting um mainly just because of the thrill of being eye level with a deer but i have found myself in scenarios where i got caught being on the ground and then the next day or the day after i just got in a tree right there and i, I killed one and i i was like i can't really believe why I got caught. And then I heard Dan talk about that. So I went back to that spot and I was throwing milkweed when I was on the ground. And then I got a couple sticks up and I threw it and you could just see how the uh, wind carried a little bit differently. And that's why I got busted. It wasn't cause they saw me it's cause they smelled me. Yeah. And uh, I'll hunt on the ground if I absolutely have to, I'm I'll get it done type of guy. It don't matter what I have to do. I'm going to go do it. I asked, uh, two years ago, I sat up on the ground. There was like a washout in a Creek and I crawled up in there and I had like a 180 comment on me and I'm not used to ground hunting like that. He lit me up. I ain't gonna lie. Like, <laughs> I went to draw my bow and he must've seen like the top of my limb or my face or something, man. And he, he boogied out of there pretty fast. I was like, Oh man, that was a feeling I didn't like. Yeah. He thought he saw Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so we talked a little bit about some of those mistakes. Do you have any other uh, big mistakes you see people when uh, saddle hunting, like actually hunting out of a saddle? Uh, they move a lot. They're not ready for the deer to come in. Like that, like I was talking to you last night about that magic hour. Like the last hour of the day is when that big buck's probably always going to come in 95% of the time. So I'm ready to roll. I got my bow in my hand. I'm resting the cam on my leg. I'm exactly set up on the platform in the saddle where I need to be my best shooting length. And I'm just still as can be just waiting. And then like uh, last year when that 175 came in, I was set up just like that. And being only nine foot off the ground, when you're low, movement is huge. Like you, a deer can pick you off if you just turn your head if you're hunting really low. 
So when that buck came in, he came in directly at me for like, I don't know, 30 yards, 35 yards. And then having that bow already ready to go, I could draw straight back. And then if you watched the video when I posted, you've seen it, but that buck never even knew I was there. He never even looked up, nothing. And I drew with him walking directly at me, but I was hiding the draw with the bow. And then I was ready to go when he came in and I just smoked him. Yeah, that was, uh, man, that was pretty impressive. That deer was five yards away. You could just like step down and touch his antlers and he had no freaking clue. What, uh, what tips do you have? So people, one of the people's biggest complaints that I've heard from people saddle hunting is that they just feel like they can't stay still. What are some of the tips you have for people to be a little bit more comfortable in the tree? Or is it just one of those things like man up and tough it up? Yeah, it's kind of both, honestly. (laughs) It takes a lot of discipline, practice. You want to be comfortable, so you need to get your system dialed in. Bridge length, tether height, and different trees can influence your tethered height too. Like if it's a leaning tree, I tend to run my tether higher, and that makes me more comfortable. Um, Straight tree, I run it a little bit lower than most guys, maybe like that neckline area, not forehead height. It's just having that system dialed in. You want it like a machine. So if you spend a lot of time in it, practice it. And when I got it, that's all I used for every day when I was hunting. And I hunt a ton. So you just figure things out as you go. Spending the money, too, on the gear. uh, That's probably what I would say. Don't go cheap on a saddle. You're going to want a good one because it'll be way more comfortable. I'd go with a company that has a system like not just the saddle and some ropes, like they have the whole system, like the platform, the saddle, the bags, the sticks, everything, because they got it dialed in. And you can mix mix, uh, mix and match stuff too. But I'm kind of a, I don't know, I'm kind of a loyal guy, so I just run whatever. But I like having the same stuff that people make. So I tend yeah. to gravitate towards companies that make everything so I can just run it. So it's just having that system dialed in and having the comfort by spending the money honestly i feel like that's one thing in hunting if you spend the money on it'll be worth it there's a lot of things you can get get away with by buying cheap stuff but the saddle i don't think is one of them i agree with that 100 percent. are you a, a knee pad guy being a leaner do you still wear knee pads i do have a set of knee pads and i've used a tree pad i kind of messed with both I like the knee pads because if I have to pivot around the tree, they'll move with me. Then I can get that little bit of extra grip on the bark where that pad's just there in front of you. And if I have to make a move, it's, it doesn't move with you. So I would suggest the knee pads, honestly. I'm the same way. Uh, I want to circle back to, you said that you run the Skeletors and you have the one sticks. What, uh, and what scenarios are you using either one? Or is it just like, I'm going to grab these today? I wear size 16 boots now, so the Skeletors have a little bit more foot room, but they weigh a little bit more. So I think like if I'm hunting river bottoms in Iowa, they got just giant cottonwoods. I mean, I'm go- I'm stretching like daisy chains out 10 foot around the tree to get up. So I tend to run the Skeletors just because I got a little bit more foot room on those. Um, if I'm going like two miles deep or I'm um, just scouting my way in i take the one sticks because they're super light and i can carry some extra sticks if i need to get a little bit higher because i never know kind of what situation i'm going to be in so 
it's lightweight. It doesn't wear you out when you're going in a couple of miles. Cause sometimes I'll scout, uh, two, three miles before I even set up. I just keep going until I find good sign to get on. Are, how are you packing those in when you use a predator pack? Yeah, I have a predator pack that I use. I just strap them off the bottom of it. There is a Everly stock mini me hydration pack that is, they're really good on too. Um, there's a little bungee trick that my buddy showed me that that'll nestle the one sticks onto the predator platform. And then you can compression strap it right onto that hydration pack. Hmm. And it's killer little setup. I can uh, send you some pictures of it later. Yeah. I'd like to see that. I think this year myself, I'm going to pick up a predator pack and, um, replace, I, I use the Sitka tool belt pack and I think I'm just going to replace that hamper with the predator pack. I think I'm going to end up doing that this year. I saw a couple guys doing that and it looks pretty slick and I think that'll, uh, I think that'll work for me, but I'm, man, I'm, I'm getting to be the same way to where I don't even want to take that tool belt with me because I just start putting stuff in it that I don't need. Yeah. The bigger you go, the more crap you carry. It's just like when you buy a house, if you get a bigger house, you know, you start filling it up, man. If I'm hunting early season, I just run that predator pack. I got some uh, Molly bags that I can Molly right onto the back of it. I actually put my camera arm inside of a wool sock and I slide it inside the pack with the platform. And then uh, I can put whatever in the bags and I hang my sticks off the bottom. So it works out. And then I got my my bow pull-up reel tucked in underneath uh, one of those bags too. So it keeps it from flopping around. I ran some uh, zip ties on it to keep it pinned down on the Molly. And it works great. And um, you can add whatever bags you need or don't need. And I feel like I even got a little thing. I can clip the thermocell to it. If I'm hunting like river bottoms early stuff like that. So it's a really versatile pack, but if you're hunting later into the season, I kind of go towards a bigger pack cause then I'm carrying in like bibs and a coat and you can still do it with the predator pack, but it's just a little harder. So I like to take a little bit bigger pack so I can carry layers. Sure. Yeah. What, uh, are you a, a big camo guy or are you just like wear whatever? I just wear whatever, man. I'm poor, so whatever's <laughs> on clearance, on sale, I just buy whatever, man. I really like Bottomlands, but I shot those two Booners the last two years wearing a hunting public hoodie. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it really matters as long as you're not moving. I've walked out in the woods in jeans and a t-shirt and deer walk right up to you. If you're not, you know, during turkey season and stuff. Like, I think movement's way more important than being camoed in, but there's sometimes where Camo can help you, but I don't think it's a deal breaker. Yeah, I agree. The best camo is just to be still. Yeah, I mean, you got guys wearing flannels and blue jeans and, like, yellow puffies like Cody DeQuisto and stuff like that. And deer just roll right in there. And, I mean, we're talking, like, trophy class deer, too. I mean. Yeah, they're not shooting two-year-olds. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't think they really pick you off unless you're not set up right or you leave your scent somewhere. And I think there's that bubble effect too that I referenced to that when you get inside of that buck's bubble, he is, he's so calm and cool that he's just not expecting you. It's like, you know, your living room, you just walk in there, you walk around shirtless, you know, you don't care. You got Cheetos laying everywhere or whatever, you know, watching TV. But if I came in there and I moved the deer head on your wall and you walked in the door, man, you're going to pick it off quick. 
and you're going to freak out and get super nervous, right? And then you're going to lock all your doors, get a security system. So I feel like that first sit, first time in, just go for gold, man. I got that no balls, no bucks philosophy. Like a lot of guys are scared to mess up. They're scared to go in deep. My first sit every time is a kill sit. Like I'm not sitting back hunting my way in. I'm diving in within that hundred yards. I think that bubble is like a hundred yard circle around that buck's bed. And you have those go by you, younger bucks come by you. And I think the older bucks use those, use those as bait because they're watching their reaction. That's their buffer. Yeah. And if you have a doe kind of get a little wild, you know, she smells something, acts a little scared, that buck might come out a little bit later. But if you get through the first set of deer clean, like in that video I sent you, that buck just strolls in there like not a care in the world because I was in that bubble. And then you get away with a lot more, I think. You just smoke him like he's not looking around. If you watch that same buck, if he makes it to that cornfield and you, you're going to watch him. 20 minutes I've watched mature bucks stop on a field edge before they step out and look like crazy. They're sniffing the wind. They're walking around in the little wood lot trying to figure out what they can catch for thermals. I mean, it's crazy what they go through before they come out in that field. But if you're in that bubble, man, they just walk like normal normal deer do any other time. Yeah, I, I've seen that myself, and I've kind of related that to, like, if you're not within that, they're going to start getting on edge. And you can catch them. I've done it myself where you catch them, and they're just, like, not even paying attention to anything. And I've even felt I found where um, you can kind of screw up in those scenarios, not like big time, but like if you make a little noise, they might be like, what was that? But they're just like, nah, I'm cool. I'm this, I know I'm safe here. And that, but if you did that same movement, like you said, in the cornfield where he knows that there's danger around, he's gone. He's not, he's not even going to mess around with that. Yeah. And uh, I feel like since they laid there for, you know, four to six hours in their bed and they smelled the wind the whole time and they looked out in front of them. Yeah. They're like, I'm cool. Yeah, they, they think it's golden, man, and they just stroll in there, like you said. But, yeah, I've noticed the same thing for sure on that. Sometimes I just even turn my head a little bit on a field edge, and the deer just lock right on you, and you're like, oh, I'm screwed. Yep, game's over. Got to go for the next one. I mean, that's that's really good advice. And the no balls, no bucks, I like that. That needs to be a T-shirt. Maybe that's going to be the title of this episode. But um, Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. <laughs> Cody DeQuisto kind of talks about that in an Exodus podcast where he's like, if you don't think that every sit that you're going to kill, what are you even doing in the tree? What are you doing at that moment? If you don't think this is the sit I'm going to kill that deer, what? why are you even out there? I agree. There's times where I'll go in the hunt and I don't even end up hunting. I don't find something confident enough to set up on. So I just spend the time scouting instead of wasting my time hanging in a tree for no reason. Yep, I agree with that wholeheartedly. There's, I mean, your time is better better off spent scouting. I mean, the the guys that are that you're referring to, the underground guys that are getting it done consistently, all of their mottos are scout, 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 hunt. So, I mean, that's yeah, that's really good advice. Um, speaking of scouting and kind of relating it back to gear, what's your boot choice? Whatever I can find in size 16, which is almost impossible. Ooh. That's a so, good point. Columbia, Keen, 
or just some knockoff stuff that you happy. To, I mean, I'm just happy to find a pair. I wish I could get like Krispies and stuff, but they only go up to 14. So I'm kind of bummed out. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And some of the rubber boots too, which I don't wear. Cause I don't know. I just can't hike very far in them comfortably. They get your feet, get all sweaty and cold and all that, but they only run up to like 15s and most boots. So it'll be kind of hard depending on how they're cut to get into those. So I just stick with like the hiking boots, like Columbia and the Keens, because that's pretty much all I can find. Big dude struggles. Yeah, man. Unless there's a company out there that makes boots that has that size, they can hit me up. <laughs> I don't know of any off the top of my head. I wear a size eight, so I don't have that. I don't have that problem. Man, that's something that I, dude. When I I just built your arrows. And I'm like fletching that thing, and I'm like, what even? This a javelin. Yeah, 33 inch draw, man's brutal. It's hard to find a bow. It's hard to have good setups. Hard to get FOC. Like, you just kind of roll with whatever, man. I've probably not had the best setups, but I just learned to shoot them the best I can to get them to work for me. Like a lot of my older bows, they don't, they didn't even have like draws that long. I had to use like over draws and. So I really learned a short, short shoot, like a short draw length shoot with like maybe a 31, which it's hard to get a consistent anchor point. So I'm like, I can't even put my nose on the string at all. Like I have to rely on like peep alignment and getting a good anchor point with my knuckle and just line different things up than what people are used to. The last two years I switched to that nose button. And even that I have to lean my head down a little bit, but it did help me out some. What bow are you shooting now? I got uh, Matthews Atlas is my bow I just got. I found a really good deal on one at a shop that was going out of, they were going out of business. So I picked it up for a killer uh, deal. Before that, I was shooting a, a Struthers bow, which is like, uh, he designed a lot of bows for like uh, the Obsession bows and uh, Bowtech, I think it was. Kevin Struthers, I think was his name, but he come out with like his own line of bows. So I got that. I've been shooting that like 10 years. It's a speed demon little bow. Shoot like 345 or something. That's impressive. But when you're pushing 33 inches at 75 pounds, like good Lord. Yeah. So that just blazes. When I shoot next to somebody else, their arrows kind of Rambo and mine just rock it out. They're flat as can be. So, which I kind of like that uh, flat high speed shooting. And I've never had a problem penetration on deer, you know, because just my uh, draw and the speed and everything adds up to a ton of energy to pop right through them. I mean, it, half the time when I shoot a buck with it, they don't even run. They just stand there like, what the heck just happened? Like, they don't even know Then They just fall over dead, you know? Yeah, they just zipped right through them. Yeah, and then, like, if you see a little lane that you can shoot through, too, I got more confidence in taking a shot. Yeah, you don't have that trajectory. Yeah, that's right. Because sometimes you'll see that opening and shoot, and then your arrow's not going through it. It's hitting above it because it's rainbowing down. But with the flat arrow, you can just shoot right through that opening most of the time. So I don't know. It's uh, That's a different argument for a different day. You know how guys are with that heavy versus light setup. Yeah. We're, uh, I mean, we're engraved in it now with the, with the arrow line, but a lot of our stuff is kind of against the grain. We're not going super heavy. I think the FOC on your build is going to be, well, shit, you have a full-length shaft, so it's probably going to be less. But at the max 10%, I think mine right now is like 11.8%, 11 
So we're not on that spectrum that everyone wants to be at. But I've talked about the same thing, and I've had uh, Joe Miles that owns Osseo Gear Camo Company. He's the kind of the first person I heard talk about that. The yeah, he shooting- just came out with that YouTube video when he was testing that stuff, and he was actually getting more penetration with uh, lighter, faster arrows. Yeah, and he was the first person I've heard talk about. He has the uh, his own podcast as well, and he was talking about that trajectory in the woods where if your arrow shoots flat, you can kind of predict more what your trajectory is going to look like versus having a 650-grain arrow that's going to balloon. Uh, you're going to hit those branches that are that you can't see or they're not in your sight picture because your arrow's, like you're saying, Rambo and in there. Yeah, I actually talked to Mr. Miles a good bit on the Messenger on Facebook. We talk about arrow setups and different broadheads and stuff like that a lot. He's a killer, man. Yeah, he's got an impressive wall. I'm jealous. <laughs> we did a white we did a white tail cribs episode with him that'll be airing uh, this year. It's it's pretty impressive. His house is like magnificent. Yeah, I can't wait to check that out. He's got tons of deer when I see his photos and stuff like that. He's a really smart guy too. He knows how to hunt in a lot of different terrains and stuff like that. So we talk quite a bit and. Um, yeah, we talked about that rainbow in effect when we're out on public land because you can't you can't cut shooting lanes. I will uh, I'll tie off branches and stuff. I have a couple different methods I use with like paracord or straps, and I'll strap tree branches together and move them so I can shoot a little bit more. But not being able to cut, a lot of guys don't take that into consideration when they're going with their arrow setup. And uh, I almost feel like sometimes those bigger, heavy broadheads with the heavy arrows, they almost deflect a little bit easier because it's like a plane. You know, when it hits something, it'll just fly right off because it's kind of like throwing a Frisbee and hitting something with a Frisbee, you know, kind of deal. Yeah, it definitely could be. We did a bunch of broadhead testing with a high-speed camera this last week that was pretty eye-opening. I'm pretty excited to share some of that information. But the broadhead that I'm shooting, I'm shooting a – inch and three-eighths cut fixed blade head that has been pretty pretty good for me what what's your broadhead choice i use the g5 dead meats v2s mm-hmm. or the mega meat is what i used last year i tested it out well you have so much energy behind using a mechanical just makes sense yeah it seems like a lot of long draw guys that are out there in the world they're all using mechanicals yeah, you have so much energy behind them. I mean, th- like when they deploy and cut, they use up some of that energy. But when you have so much behind it, like you only need so much to get through a whitetail, all the rest of it's excess. So having that extra energy and getting that extra cut makes a lot of sense. Yeah, if you're over 300 feet per second and you got that massive draw length, you can shoot mechanicals easy. Um if I had a really short draw and a slower bow, I probably would switch to maybe fix heads just to help get a little bit more penetration maybe, but I probably wouldn't go crazy on arrow weight still. But my arrows, I like 450 to 500 around there for my arrow weight. Um, FOC, it's almost impossible to worry about that for me. I'd have to go like crazy, like seven, 800 grain arrow. <laughs> I don't want to shoot that. Yeah, you'd have to shoot a crazy heavy broadhead. And you probably wouldn't be able to shoot a mechanical anymore because they don't make super heavy mechanicals. Yeah, so I like the, that 450 to 500 grain arrow and then that the mechanical just because I've never had a problem with it. And honestly, I 
I'm really picky about my shots too. I'm not a big, I'm a just send it guy, but I'm not taking a lot of dumb shots. I'm waiting for like good angles. And I know the anatomy of the deer and I'm proficient enough and confident enough in my shooting ability that I don't think I'm going to drive it right into the shoulder. I think your Exodus MMT setup is going to come in around that 500 mark. I think I have to do the math, but, um, at a 9.8 grains per inch. Uh, yeah, I want to say you're going to be close to that 500 mark, but I'm curious to see how those fly out of your, your setup, getting all that extra speed. You should see some, uh, pretty, pretty good performance out of those. So I'm, I'm, pretty excited to hear what you have to say about that and hopefully you put them through a giant this year yeah i'm on some really big bucks so i'm keep, definitely keep that a secret yeah i will i'll definitely be in the game on some world-class animals that i found on public land i'm um when we hang this up i'm gonna ask you more about that but um do you have any other like things that you want to leave off here we've been going for about 50 minutes uh is there anything that you're like that you want to mention like, Hey, I use this that I think is really cool or uh, something maybe that people buy into more that you want to shed some light on or give, give me some of your final gear thoughts here. Uh, some of my favorite gear pieces are just like little 3d printed accessories. Like Genesis 3d has a little platform hanger that I put on the back of my saddle and I can hang my predator on it. And man, having that is awesome. It keeps it quiet. It's not, banging around anywhere it goes right in and right out i climb up the tree with it on me you know with my platform hooked into it on the back of my saddle and it keeps it away from my sticks if i do carry sticks up on the sides of my saddle um what else oh the bow hanger stuff uh that's really important too i think especially for public yeah he makes i use that that hitch strap, some tethered. I like that a lot because you can put those little carabiners on there and move your stuff around really easy. And then I do, uh, Genesis 3D has that, it's called the Fulcrum. You can, it folds up, it's a bow hanger. I use that, but I will say that I like to be prepared. So I will carry a hero clip just in case, because if you get on a leaning tree, those straight bow hangers don't work. So you need the hero clip because it'll adjust down, hang with gravity. Sometimes I don't even hang my bow on the tree I'm on. There might be a branch that's parallel to the ground I'm hanging on, or I'm on the ground and I'm set up like two foot off the ground in the saddle. Cause I will ground hunt with the saddle. I don't want to, but I will do it. So you gotta be prepared for all situations. I wanna be really versatile. So you want versatile gear. And if you take a, piece of gear in there it doesn't work for you get rid of it like there's no if it, you don't use it don't carry it like there's a lot of stuff you can get rid of you want gear that's going to work for you and your system and what you're doing so sometimes less is more and i would just talk to guys that get it done and see what they're using because you could probably get rid of a ton of stuff that you don't really need and sometimes people like comfort like they want to drink water and eat snacks, but I'm not that kind of guy. Cause I don't want to carry the extra weight. And I'm, I'm an early season guy too. So I'm like surgically removing deer per se. So I'm only going out there for like, you know, four or five hours. I don't really hunt mornings per se early. I'm just hunting mornings during the rut. And, uh, 
rut hunting and early season hunter in two different ball games. You almost need different setups for both. So a lot of guys are rut hunters. I'm really not. I'm not a fan of it because you can't really pattern the deer. All the buck beds I found, those bucks are usually gone. So I'm, I got a totally different setup when I'm rolling in the rut. I just make some modifications more for, you know, being in the woods longer. Then I might carry water and snacks. That's where I go to that little bit bigger bag. Um, quiet. You want to be quiet. Self strips, lifesaver, self strip as much stuff as you can that makes noise. You want to have that situated before you go into the woods. Um, even the order of your stuff and your dump pouches, you want figured out before you go, like put it exactly the way you're going to take it out and put it back in the same way. Uh, have your ropes managed good, like just little pieces that more details, I think that people overlook, like you want your gear managed really well. So you're quiet and efficient at what you're doing. Cause, uh, I mean, you don't want to be, you don't need to be a speed demon cause you probably make more noise, but you don't want to be a turtle either, you know? And you want precise movements. Like when I'm setting up on a buck and he's 80 yards away and I can see the top of his rack, like I need to be like stealth mode and have that system proficient. So I'm not like, Oh man, what I do with this, what I do with that. And then I'm like digging around and trying to find stuff. Like everything is set up perfectly in the order. And I'm not a fan of running like a bunch of different systems either. You know, you got your early and you got your rut and on system and that's it. Cause I want to use it all the time. So it's like muscle memory. You're just on it. So I like to practice a lot during the summer and then, yeah, it's pretty much gear wise. I mean, I don't know. It just depends on what you want to do. I just, the minimalists and I don't carry a lot, but good gear is hard to beat. I mean, you just want to upgrade to good stuff, spend the money on it. It's worth it. Buy, buy once, cry once. That's I can't, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. Like right now I'm spending a bunch of time. I'll climb a tree and then I'll get everything set up the way I want it. And then I'll tear down and then I'll climb it again. And then I'll tear down and I'll do that. It's reps, man. It's muscle memory. And then, like you said, you can almost get in those situations where, when you are 80 yards from that deer, you can see the top of his rack. You can almost get set up without taking your eyes off him. Because if you take your eyes off of him, he turns around, sees you monkeying around, he's gone. You look back, he's not there anymore. So um, muscle memory is key. Practice, practice, practice. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Buy once, cry once. Sorry. Um, another tip is uh, the aiders on your sticks – webbing aiders uh they move in the wind a lot more so i switch to amstellators but i still try to manage them when i get up the tree i like removable aiders because i can pack them up after i'm up because i don't want to take the chance of that buck picking off that aider blowing in the wind and i know there's other stuff in the woods moving too but it seems like that aider's just different because he you're in his bubble you're in his house like he's gonna be like what is that like it's not a normal object so they almost pick up on it so i like to get rid of it or uh i even uh will tie a paracord to it and drive a little nail into the ground on my first stick and that'll keep my first uh aider into the ground if i'm using if i'm not using a removable aider i like to run a three-step anyways even if you're not running a removable on that first stick so you get a little bit extra height but 
I'll take that little paragord, tie it to the bottom, and then run a little nail into the ground so it's not blowing around in the wind. That's and a then good tip. just yeah, exactly. And uh, I try to get rid of the cam straps. I went to all like daisy chain stuff. Uh, I get a lot of stuff from the Am Steel guy. He makes really good stuff, and he's got some really good systems. I've been uh, working on him with some stuff too, some upgraded stuff for uh, when you get closer to like buck bedding and stuff to make it a little bit easier to climb more sleek uh more efficient stuff than what some other people are making cool i look pretty excited to hear about what that stuff is and uh so big fan of the amp steel's light and it doesn't move in the wind as good as the webbing aiders it doesn't catch the wind as much so that's interesting yeah it just doesn't have that pro that flat profile it's more round and it's really small diameter where that flat strap catches in the wind more and blows around. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't like, like that at all. Even when I was running my old tree stand set up with cam straps, I would tuck all the little leftover pieces and tie them on to itself and stuff. Cause I didn't even want that flapping around. Yeah. Especially on a pretty breezy day. That was one of my gripes with, I use a retractable bow hoist as well. And that was one of my gripes with, bow ropes is a lot of guys will pull it back up with them but on like even set stands you'll be walking through the woods and you can catch the bow rope before you even see the stick sometimes because you just see this line of string hanging down from the tree and it just like doesn't look natural it looks out of place it doesn't look like a vine it doesn't look like anything like that because it moves and you can see that a lot of times before you even see anything else yeah when i'm postseason scouting I'll be 40 yards away and I'll pick somebody's pull-up rope off of their tree stand. Before I even see the tree stand, I'm like, oh, there's a pull-up rope and it's flapping around. It's not tied off. And guys just leave them like that. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, not only can you see it, but it's leaving a bunch of scent around. And Yeah, it's, that's a bad deal. I'm a re- retractable guy all the way. Well, Rendell, I appreciate uh, you carving an hour out of your time here with me today. You could be out there scouting. Instead, uh, you're sitting here talking to me about uh, stuff that you could probably find anywhere. So I appreciate I appreciate you doing that for me. And yeah, uh, anytime, man. Thanks for having me on. It's awesome. Anytime, man. Just hit me up, and we can talk about whatever you want. I look forward to getting out there in July, and hopefully getting in the woods with you and uh, learning a little bit more from you. I really appreciate all the help that you've offered me already, and I'm definitely going to take you up on it. So. Um, it, if you want to leave off here with uh, where people can find you, if they have any questions for you, I'm sure uh, people are going to want to hear more from you, especially after the last few seasons you've had and then this year when you kill that world-class buck. So where can people find you? Uh, I got Facebook and Instagram. It's just my name, Rendell Eric. I'm getting close to launching a YouTube channel, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. So if you have any questions, they can hit me up on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Cool. Well, you guys heard it there. Hit him up. Dude's full of knowledge, loves to talk deer. Um, we, we talked for a real long time last night about it. Always enjoy the conversation. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you.